Today's episode of SBJ iFactor is sponsored by Pepsi. Today on SBJ iFactor, a 40 under 40 Hall of Famer. Scott O'Neill was in the class of 2005, 2006, 2007, at the ages of 34, 35, 36. Scott's great to see you. You also have a book out in June, Be Where Your Feet Are. So we're going to cover a lot of ground here on SBJ iFactor. Scott O'Neill, my friend, always good to see you. Abe, it's been a minute. I miss you. You look terrific. Um, I'm thrilled to be here today. Life has been pretty good to me. Well, that's great. I'm thrilled to be with you today. You know, let's start. You had three brothers and a sister, very competitive family, went to Villanova, then Harvard Business School. You started selling tickets at the Nets with so many sports industrialists who are still in the business. And then I believe you uh, went to the Eagles, but you also learned a ton of lessons from the failure of Hoops TV, which you launched at 28 years old, but then had to shut down in 2000. And I saw a recent quote from you in the Wall Street Journal where you said, Scott, failure is the best teacher. It's just not a fun teacher. Elaborate on that. Sure. Well, you know, when you're young, uh, you have this vision of what you're going to be and what you're going to accomplish. And, and for many of us, you know, for me, when I was young, uh, after working for John Spolstra, who's the legendary president of the Nets, and before that, the Portland Trailblazers, I wanted to be John. I wanted to run a team. And I just had this vision and version of just being a linear straight line to the top, if you will. I was willing to work hard. Um, I was willing to pay my dues. Um, I'm relatively well connected with people. And I thought, man, this is going to be such a fun, fun, adventurous run. And what I found was that uh, it's not a straight line at all. In fact, um, you know, there were bumps and bruises and potholes and trips and falls. And in many cases, in most cases, that's where all my learning took place. And so I, I learned at a really young age that it was okay. I was willing to take some chances. And I knew that when you take chances and put yourself out there, that you're going to get hit a few times. And, um, and I think that's where there's opportunity. And um, you can play it safer and, and longer. Um, which might be a little easier on the body, if you will. But, um, but I, I, I don't have any regrets, you know, I, and, and I'm, I'm not, listen, I've, I've made so many mistakes in my life in each of my stops along the way, but I don't have regrets about them. I, I think of them all as um, I kind of associate stops with the people I've been fortunate enough to work with. And I've had some of the great mentors and teachers of all time in this business. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been blessed beyond measure. And so, uh, so when I talk about failure, it, it's not, I don't, I just, my connotation around failure is very positive um, because it's around, you took a chance, it didn't work out. And now what's the lesson? How can I apply it? And how can I continue to move on in a different direction? And we're going to cover a lot of those different themes. And I do want to talk after Hoops TV, you go to the NBA, you're about 30, you're a vice president of business consulting, and you talk about the people you've been fortunate to learn from. And there you learn from the likes of David Stern and Adam Silver and others. What did you learn the most from your time there? Oh, man. Adam Silver, David Stern, Bernie Mullen, right. Sutton, Tom Glick, Chris Granger, Chris Heck, Donna Daniels, Stacey McWilliams, Amy Brooks, Dan Reed. I mean, that group, I, I'm missing a bunch. Aaron Ryan's now running uh, overtime. I mean, that group is unbelievable. Paul Mott um, all went on to do incredible things. Um, Chris Hack. So I, um, boy, um, I guess from, from Adam Silver, who I just think, I know he's a commissioner, um, but, but he has a producer's mind. 
And, um, and I love the notion of producing, kind of producing meetings, producing your career, producing uh, an advertising campaign. I think that's what I got from him. Um, mm. From David Stern, I learned to be a lifelong learner. You know, we would get on a plane and he would have a stack of magazine and newspaper articles ripped out, you know, seven, eight inches thick. And he was reading about geopolitical, life sciences, you know, everything outside of the actual game of basketball. And I think in our business, we get, we get really insular and the SBJ is one of the great resources kind of at our fingertips. And we should, should read SBJ. We should read this stuff in sports business. But, but the truly great leaders and visionaries are certainly understanding all those other impacts of our life and our careers. And he was wonderful at that. Um, so, yeah, I, I was so fortunate um, to have worked there with so many incredible people. You know, it goes back. I was reading some of your write ups from the years ago, Scott, and one of them. And I love your emphasis. And since I've known you, you've always had an emphasis on people. And you said, quote, there's nothing more important than the quality of people around you work for the best and hire the best talent, end quote. Elaborate on that. Yeah, well, I have a saying, uh, just people, people, people. So uh, I, I, I love talent and character, just not necessarily in that order. Um, I've made a, made a career of surrounding myself with some of the most incredible people in the world. Um, and I, I think when, you know, again, I'm 51 years old. So as I get older, um, I have such more an appreciation for what I've learned and, and the people I've been able to learn it from. And I, and I hope that I create that environment for the people that are working for me now, that I become that person that becomes to, can, can be the, the teacher and, and mentor and, and helper along the way. Um, I had this great executive coach, um, Trisha Nadoff, and I remember I was at Madison Square Garden and she was giving me a hard time. Um, she, I got her as a reference for my mom. My mom said, you, you need to talk to Trisha. So I worked with her for about a year. And, um, and her whole thing was, you, you need to move from the warrior phase to the sage phase which I thought was really interesting anecdote. And I said, I know, but I love the warrior phase. And she said, yes, you need to evolve. And I, I wasn't ready at that time. I was young, I was probably 38 or 39 and wasn't really ready. I, I love the fight. I still love the fight in my, in my bones. Um, she likes, you love the kill. You love the deal. I'm like, yes, I do love the kill and love the deal. And she said, I know, but you know, when you evolve as a leader and a manager, you'll know because your success is much more predicated on the success of others. Yeah. I thought that was such an interesting insight. And, and as I find myself now, that's where most of my joy comes from, or my success, if you will, or my happiness at work comes from the incredible accomplishments of all the incredible people I work with. You know, Scott, to that point, it's almost like you're the guide and, and they're the hero. And one thing I've known about you is people who have worked for you at every stop, you know, they've almost, and don't take this the wrong way, but they almost come like disciples of Scott. So I guess my question is like, how do you, with everything you have going on in your own role and responsibility, invest in the success of others? You know, I think you get to a certain point um, of your career and you start figuring out like, you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning. And so, so for me, what gets me out of bed in the morning are two things. One is I want to help, help develop the next great generation of leaders in our business. And so, and, and the second thing is I want to um, hopefully leave the world better and I found it. And so the, the second part we can talk about or not, but the, the first part, you know, that's a priority for me. So I spend quite a bit of time in terms of recruiting and developing talent. And, and now, I mean, boy, I mean, the, the talent we have around uh, HBSC now 
for me, I, I learn a lot from, from them. I mean, Jake Reynolds, I think is mm-hmm. one of the most extraordinary people managers I've ever seen in terms of creating, creating culture, developing talent, recruiting kind of his army, if you will. Um, Hugh Weber is just an elite like, executive in terms of his, his poise, his passion for people, the way he sees the world at 20,000 feet. Um, Laura Price, I mean, she's been in this business for mm-hmm. I mean, 25 years now. Mm-hmm. And, and her experience, um, being able to draw from her experience, just having been through the reps before is invaluable. Uh, so I, I have some, you know, extraordinary people around me that I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning from them as much as I'm learning. So I, I try to drop down a level and, and spend time with their direct reports because that's where I think some of the, the real learning can happen. And we do like, you know, your, your, your basic stuff. But I, I, I even host a, a monthly leadership development session uh, for my top people, so, which I love. And we talk about, you know, we'll walk through an article or a video or a TED Talk and we'll, we'll break into groups. We'll talk about how it might impact us and influence us. I'm very much into kind of mind, body, soul learning um, in that we develop the whole self. Um, so, you know, a lot of times you, you're talking about tactical type development, but I also talk right. about how you develop yourself, at, you know, outside of work and what does that look like and how can we help shape, shape that. And, um, and through COVID, I, I will say a lot of my emphasis has been on, you know, some, something as simple as mental health, you know, and just mm-hmm. uh, learning quite a bit about mental health and the importance of doing something for your mind, something for your body, something for your soul every day, getting the right amount of sleep and then practicing gratitude are kind of the five things that I talk about probably the most these days in terms of development and work. And one of the things uh, I think a coworker told me years ago that you give everybody a business book. I think it's leadership and self-deception. Is that right? Sure is. Yes. There's some self-deception by the Arbinger group. Jim Farrell wrote it. Um, brilliant, brilliant uh, world thought leader. Um, and I read it for the first time. Uh, my wife gave it to me when I was struggling. I, Hoops TV had just gone down and under. I was, uh, as I say, out of work, out of luck and out of money mm-hmm. and was kind of spiraling. And so the book, the, the, the simple message of the book is, is, is treat people like people always. That's it. That's how simple the book is. And so at the last three places I've worked um, to come work with me, you have to read the book before you start and then write, write me a note that says, this, this is how this book might impact me at home. And this is how this book might impact me at work. And it just gives a, a real indoctrination, one, in terms of how we think, like how culturally how we think. And then secondly, it starts the relationship that I have with the folks I get to work with every day. So I have that one-on-one dialogue with them back and forth on email about their write-up. Um, and then the first time I connect, because I do connects um, with the different cohorts as they start, just like little small um, mini um, get togethers, um, just we you know groups of 12 or 15 or whatever that group is starting just to talk about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. So between the book starting and then my connect with them and then we have, you know, our monthly leadership development meetings and then we also, you know, do, do small um, kind of get to know you's. Um, with small groups, like I have good touches. Like I want to know the people I work with. And as the organization gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, I still want to have the personal relationship because that's where I think a lot of the, the, the life and learning happens. I love that, but you had the foundation. And, you know, I was thinking about this before the interview, Scott. I think you and I have known each other almost 20 years. And to me, you've always had that, that charm life. And I'm about 100 pages into your book, Through the Galley Proofs, Be Where Your Feet Are. And this book is really a, it's about challenges and failure and tragedies and conflict. Yeah. You know, um, 
writing a book is uh, is quite an experience. So if any of your your listeners or watchers um, are about to write a book, you should you should reach out to me, and I'll probably save you two or three hundred hours. Um, but I will tell you, it, it was been it's been a great experience. Um, this is not a pat yourself on the back, um, put a crown on your head, no. victory lap. No, instead, this is more a peek behind the curtain of what real life looks like. You know, um, for me, I mean, we all. I know your family as well. And, and um, you know, it, it looks good from the outside. Everything looks like Instagram these days. And, and Instagram is a wonderful platform. And I get to see, you know, these incredible pictures of my friends and their kids. And I got into this college and, hey, look, my wife just got awarded this. Hey, my wife got promoted. Oh, my sister's doing All that stuff is wonderful. And I love, you know, being on the different social media platforms and, and seeing the incredible things that are happening in people's lives. But the reality is, is life is really messy. And, and, um, and so I think there's some version of people who look at, at me and say, oh, look at him. He's got this, you know, I have three amazing daughters. I had this incredible wow. wife. I've been married for 25 years. My career seems like it's, um, you know, kind of the perfect career. And I, I just, and, and, and all that stuff is great. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm proud. I'm, I'm, I like what I do. I love my life with my daughters and, and my wife. And, but the reality is it's messy. Like I didn't just trip and stumble here. You know, unfortunately, my my dad didn't buy a team and, and stick me on top of it, although that would have been nice. Um, but instead, life hasn't hasn't been that easier, that smooth. And I, I don't like I said in the beginning, I don't I don't have any regrets about that. I don't have any like misgivings about that. I'm not sad about it. But I do want people to understand that that if they're going through something in life, that's hard or there's a struggle or they were fired or they had miscarriages, or they had um, ran a company into the ground, or they made a mistake on television, or they did something they regret. I, I me too, you know, mm -hmm. I'm right with you and, and you're not alone and it's gonna be right. okay. Like, it's gonna be okay, everything's okay. You know, just have a little bit of a longer lens, continue to have a vision uh, for the future that you want, Continue to make the decisions that move you towards that future. Um, be willing to work unreasonably hard. Keep learning. Um, connect yourself with people who inspire you and give you positive energy. And good things will happen over time. But it's not like the 15 seconds of fame. It used to be 15 minutes. Now it's 15 seconds of fame. It just doesn't. Life life is not going to be smooth and easy. And it's okay. And, and one of the takeaways I've already got out of the book, Scott, is your focus on time, like being present right now with what you're focused on, making time a priority, whether it's family dinners or even a conference uh, or even a business meeting with your colleagues where from the reading of it, it sounds like you make some colleagues leave their cell phone in a little bit of a jar before they even get to the conference room. Yeah, I stole that from my wife at home for family dinners. But yeah, we have a little uh, cell phone table. But I, I, will, I will say, um, and again, like this is not a, a book about me being perfect, but a story in the book which I'll share is um, when I was working for the, the Knicks, we, we lost the game pretty badly. And I came home and I was, you know, we lost by 20 or something. We got moved off the court and I was all, you know, grouchy when I came home. And my wife, Lisa, is like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? And I was like, did you see the game? She's like, yeah, I watched the game. I was like, did you see the end of the game? She's like, yeah, I saw the end of the game. And I was like, well, I'm frustrated. She's like, well, how many, how many games are you going to lose this year? I said, between the Knicks, Rangers, and Liberty? She's like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know, maybe 100? She goes, 100? So one out of every three nights, you're going to come home like this? Mm. This ain't going to work. It's not going to work for this family. It's not going to work for me. It's not going to work for you. And I was like, boy, that's a good point. And so I talked to a friend of mine. I remember 
And he said that he had a worry tree outside his house and, and he would drive home and he would just touch the tree. And he said, when I touched that tree, all the worries would go up into the tree. I didn't have a worry tree, unfortunately, but I did. It was a great signal to me to say like, okay, I've got to find some way to transfer. Like I'm very competitive. Uh, I love to win and I hate to lose more than I love to win. And, and in this business, you know, I'm not playing, I'm not coaching. I'm not the GM. I'm not picking players, you know? Um, and so, you know, I use that, that time on that ride home to make sure that if I want to yell or scream or howl at the moon or pick up the phone and scream at somebody, I do it for myself in the mirror. Um, and then by the time I get home, I'm back to being a dad. And so, uh, so, you know, I think we all need to be where your feet are. We just need to be present. I mean, life is, life is busy too. I mean, I, I yeah. think about the, the parents um, out there, you, it's hard. You, you wake up, it's like NCAA tournaments arrive in advance in the morning as the kids get them ready for school. And then I'm at work there at school. They've got sports, they've got homework. I don't want to talk about their boyfriends, but they have boyfriends they have to talk to. And then how much time are we actually getting with these kids? I mean, do we get 45 minutes? Do we get an hour? And how do you want to spend that hour? Do you want to spend an hour with your phone in your hand or watching the office reruns? Um, or do you want to try to have a conversation and break through? And it's hard because teens, when you say, how are you doing? They say, fine. How was school? Good. What'd you learn? Nothing. And so we, we, we have to use the same skills we use at work. And I, I think sometimes that's a lost art. And, and we have to take some of that creativity. My wife's told me that a few times too. You know, she said, what that leadership development stuff? Should we do that at home? I'm like, that's yeah. a good point. You know, and so, so we started sharing. This goes back years ago. But I started sharing some of those articles and talking through with them. And my wife, she's much more learned than I am. So she has podcasts. She's always dropping me this great family group chat, um, which it's a podcast. Read this podcast. Look at this thing I pulled off Instagram. Hey, look at this photo. What does it mean to you? Hey, here's a great TED talk. Let's listen to it. So all that stuff, I think, contributes to kind of an overall view of, of what we're trying to surround ourselves with at home. And I love that. And I want to go back a little bit because you mentioned your, your dream job. And I remember when you got it, president of MSG, a huge sports empire. You probably thought you were going to be there forever. And the book has some pretty interesting points where you said it was like a fight every day. And you talk about Peter Guber visiting you a couple of times there. And even on the day you were fired, what did you learn from that experience at MSG? And what, first of all, that place is amazing. I mean, I, I will say that walking in there my first day, you know, a kid who grew up in New York, right. it was pretty much a dream come true. I mean, I, I remember my, my highlight was my first day. I'm like, hey, can we play on the court? And they're like, oh, we don't play on the court. This is Madison Square Garden. I was like, oh, we do now. <sighs> so I got, to, I got to skate on that ice and play on that court. Man, what a, what a dream come true. And the people there are just incredible. And, um, and I, I think, you know, what is, um, you know, a lot is written about MSG. Some mm -hmm. of it's true, some of it's not. My, I will tell you, my experience, fantastic. I, I, I was in the warrior phase that I wanted to fight everything, you right. know? Got and it. so, so for me, I think I, my big lesson there was, you know, I, I wish I could go back and do it again. Um, because and look, we did some killer deals. I mean, <laughs> that was a fun time, but, um, what do you wish you did I, differently? I, I wish I could have focused on being effective and, and less, you know, focus on being right. Um, and, I, and I think that's an Achilles heel of a lot of us. Um, and I, you know, I pride myself on, on working really hard and I'm very passionate about what I do and, 
and how I do it. Very passionate about my teams that we build and the culture that we've we've set in place. And and I think I I you know I wish I I would have had another chance to 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 do it because um, while the results were extraordinary, you know, financially with the Chase and Coke and Delta and all right. those deals, and then the sweet pricing that we we took up and kind of set all those records and ticket pricing kind of went up off the charts and the new building is the most beautiful building in the world. Um, and certainly the world's most famous arena and the teams, you know, went from, you know, not non-playoff teams to playoff teams uh, for my last two years. And then the year after I left. So, um, so all that stuff was cooking and heading in the right direction. And, and I was grinding a little bit too hard. And, you know, my boss, Hank Ratner there was, you know, we didn't agree on, on much philosophically and, and a lot of it, like I could have handled better and handled differently. And, um, and I, I think, you know, I haven't seen him much since then, but, but, um, but that's something I'd like to have back. Mm -hmm. Be more effective and not always right. Yes. Yeah. You know, Peter Goober gave you some advice on that day, the day you were, you lost your job. And yeah. I want to kind of, what, what, what can you share with what he said to you? That sure. Yeah. Transformation. I was just giving it to a friend of mine. Um, in fact, when I see people that they get fired, oftentimes people want to call them. Um, Cause it's a day that you, nobody knows your friends don't know what to do. They don't know if they should call you. They don't know if they should like say, Hey, what's up. They don't know if they should congratulate you or give right. you condolences. And they right. don't know. And I just say this, tell them, call them, tell them you love them. Like, that's it. You know, and you'll be of help if you need it. But anyway, uh, so Peter told me a few things. One, he said, by the way, he's a genius. I mean, I don't know if you've had him on this show, but he'd be yeah. great. Yeah. I guess. But he said, decompress, decompress, decompress. Like don't let your type A crazy take over. Don't try to prove to everybody that you're like great. You know, don't try to prove to, to MSG who let you go or, or the media who took some shots or your, or your friends who are secretly smiling that, that you can rebound right away. Don't take the first job, like chill, 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 resist every temptation in your body and just go. So we, we left, we left, we took off, we went to Cabo. I'd never been to Cabo, Mexico. Um, and we stayed at this place, Las Ventanas, which is the greatest resort in the world. And then I came back, we were living in Connecticut at the time in New Canaan, and I took, we, we I should say I, we took our girls out of school, they were young at the time, and we went to Europe, they'd never been to Europe, so we went to London and Paris, and, and they will still tell you that's the best trip our family's ever had, and the reason it was the best trip they ever had was not because it was Paris or London, they've been to really cool places in the world, but it was because I didn't have my freaking phone with me. Right, you were you know? present. Yeah, yeah I, I kept it, in a, kept it in, a, in, a, in a room. I checked my emails once in the morning, once at night. What did I have to do? I didn't have to get back to anybody. I had nothing, you know? And I think many ways at night when we get home, we still have nothing to do, but we're still like scrolling what we're doing. We're just not doing anything productive. So anyway, so that was the first thing. The second thing he said was, um, you know, write down a filter for what you want your next opportunity to be. And mine was, I wanted to turn around. I wanted a big market. I wanted a huge growth opportunity. I wanted to preferably be on the coast. And I wanted to work with people I love, like, and respect. And so that was my filter. Oh, and I wanted to be a CEO, not a president. Yeah. And so, and, and, and that, that turned out to be uh, Josh Harris and David Blitzer, which has been, yeah. been a fun run ever since. Um, yeah. and, then, um, and then he said his next step was just call everybody you know. You know, call, call, call. Just pick up the phone and call them. Tell them you're, you're out there and you're interested and you want to know what's going on, which I did. And then... Um, the fourth thing, the only thing I didn't agree that I didn't, didn't take his advice on was he said, take every interview that everyone that calls you because you want to be out there. And I was like, this is right. not me. But, but the first part I absolutely loved. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful and appreciative and grateful for him for that counsel. 
quick follow-up last week i got a call from a former team president asking me my advice about how long to stay kind of on the outside you know he hadn't taken the trip to las ventanas yet scott he was concerned that out of sight out of mind so what's your thought on that yeah that's a complicated question um yeah. Uh, but but I think there's some sort of out of sight, out of mind view. Um, you know, I, I wasn't out of sight, out of mind. I was out on the beach for 10 months and I literally went to the Super Bowl. I went to your conference. Um, I went to All-Star Game. Like, I think you have to be out there. And by the way, the first couple of times, it's awkward. Like, because you don't, you know, so much of what we do um, is wrapped up. The identity is wrapped up in what we do, but it's not who we are. And so... I think, you know, having the, the confidence just to sign up to these conferences and just be around. And it's like, it's the, the first part is awkward. The second part's amazing because you're with people you love. Like, this is our family. Like, we, for those of us that have grown up in this business, like, this is, this is like, this is our safe place. It's our happy place. World Congress was like, it was like my bar mitzvah, you know, like you walk around, it's everyone you love in one place. And so, um, so I, I'd encourage uh, whoever that was just to get out and, and connect. And, and what happens when you're out of work is, is your time goes by um, really slowly and the people that you're connecting with goes by really fast. So if you were to call someone and call them back another month, they're like, didn't we just talk? And you're like, no, it was a month ago. And they're like, oh, I thought it was yesterday. That's interesting. Yeah, and so your yeah. time, all the time yeah. continuum is kind of funky. Um, I also, you know, to show you like what level of confidence I was in, which was not very high. It's like, I remember I called Dan Singer from McKinsey and I was like, Hey, can I do some insulting with you? He's like, Scott, we don't pay much. I'm like, I mean, I have to give the money over to MSG anyway, cause I had an offset my deal. And I was like, it's not about the money. Like I just, just want something to right. say. It wasn't even something right. to do. It was something to say. And so it just gives you a, a just a, a window into how fragile I was at that point in my life. And, and so that's hence, hence why I'm very passionate about people who, are in that transition period to try to connect with them. And I think we can all do a better job of, of connecting with those who might be off the grid a bit. Um, it's, it's amazing when you get that prompting to reach out to someone, you should just do it. Send yeah. a text and say, hey, just checking in with you, man. How you doing? Everything okay? Anything I can do to help? That kind of thing I think goes a long way. I totally agree there. So let's end with some quick hitters because we got to cover a lot of ground. A couple of things I still want to ask you. First, you get this a lot. Young people wanting to see you, wanting to be the next Scott O'Neill and overseeing Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. What's the advice you give to young people looking to get in the sports business? I tell them that there's a great way to be successful in this business. Uh, one, work unreasonably hard. Two, be intellectually curious. And three, be an extraordinary teammate. Yeah, you do those three things, a lot of the things will, will take care of themselves. Um, when I talk to young people, I have them look around. I was like, look around this room in our organization. I'm like, look around. Even if you're, you're sales, we've got 150 people in sales. Look around. Can you imagine if all 150 people are, are your friends? My, my, when I was young, Howie Newchat running CAA, Brett Yormark, now running Rock Nation, mm -hmm. ran Brooklyn. Like those were two like guys sitting next to me. Can you imagine like where, where everyone in your network is going to be in 10 years or five years or 15 years or 20 years? God forbid. That's great. That's right. It's like those, I look around and my friends are all over the world and what an incredible way to go through life. And those same friends are the ones that help you when you're looking for a job or same ones that help you when you're looking for a deal. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, that's what I'd say. Look around, connect. You look up Scott O'Neill on Twitter and there's a great deal of accolades, but there's a number of pieces of criticism. How have you dealt with criticism over the years? Much better in the last few years. Um, it's hard though. I, I, 
I surprised, I was surprised at how sensitive I was, to be honest with you. Um, you know, when you're a public figure, I'm not so much public figure anymore, but you know, early in the process, I was a really public figure. Uh, we didn't have a real voice or face of the team and that's what I became. And, um, and Twitter is accessible for hate, to be honest with you. It's, it's not a good place. Um, but, um, but I think that, you know, when you're running an organization and you are that face, that's what you have to take. And I wish I had the discipline not to hit my mentions. That's what Mark Cuban said to me once. He said, never, never hit that mentions button. Um, right. Yeah, I don't have the discipline not to hit it. So I, I guess I'm much more sensitive than I thought I'd be. Um, but, but at least the last few years, I, I, I have many things, much better perspective. You know, I remember stories of you just being a workhorse, like everyone raved about your work ethic. I remember Rick Welch saying, God, I wish he would take, I wish someone would take away his phone from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. But now, now that I know you even more, you seem to have a better sense of getting away from it all and getting away from work. You talked about your trips, talked about your family time, being present. What is your philosophy now in terms of work-life balance? Yeah, I don't, I'm not a big believer in work-life balance. I, I believe in just being present. I think that's a right. better anecdote for what you do. But in terms of, of how I advise my team is like, I think we as leaders in this business, we have to role model what we expect from our teams. And, and the, the Machiavellian answer is, is that I think that we, um, we in this business work really hard. You know, we're in at eight and work till 11, right? On game days. And if you're working in two sports, you know, that's, you're talking 150 nights between travel and, and games, et cetera. Um, I'm not sure that's like a reasonable, um, sustainable pace. And so what I, and, and, and because we're on the treadmill all the time, I think we've got to step off the treadmill occasionally and vacation and everybody vacations differently. You, you can do that at home you can stay Kate, um, if you want, but like, you need to find stillness in your life. Like, as I get older, I figure like, that's how you recharge your batteries. That's when you read books. That's when you get your most creative thoughts. That's you know, and instead, like we're on this mill, we're just running, 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 running. And it's like you become less creative, you become less interesting, you become less thoughtful, and I think you become less effective. And I think we've got to find ways. And it doesn't have to be a vacation to Cabo, although it is wonderful there, you know, or or a trip to LA or a trip to the, the uh, you know, to the shore, Jersey Shore. Like all I'm, I'm advocating for you to figure out how to compartmentalize. And so that you can actually continue to evolve and grow as a human being, because when you do, you become so much more effective at work. In fact, like, you know, I have this notion at work I've been talking about is like, before you can be extraordinary at work, you've got to take care of yourself. So like my, my linear view is you take care of yourself, my body, soul stuff. Okay. You take care of yourself. Then you take care of your family at that point, then you can be extraordinary at work, but you can't skip those first two steps. And I think the, the problem is, is like, you can for a while, but eventually everything will crumble. And so I think we've got to, especially in this time where we're coming out of this isolation and, and COVID and we're just trying to figure out what the new normal is. And we've been inside, you know, we've seen each other in our pajamas and we've seen pets and kids and all that whole madness about our houses. I mean, who, who knew we'd get a, a sneak peek into somebody's house? You know, now we have that connection, which is wonderful. How do we keep that, you know? And how do we take care of ourselves? How do we keep the Peloton rides running still, keep ourselves fit and in shape? How do we like keep the stillness and time for meditation, all that stuff together and going while we still kind of can become, I guess, better versions of ourselves and more effective at work? And my last question, Scott, you know, I know when you lost your dad, it was part of the impetus to write the book, you know, your father, what do you hope this book will resonate with, with, with fathers in particular? Or how do you think this book will resonate with fathers in particular? 
You know, I've had interesting reactions from, from moms and dads. Um, so I think we're, I'm getting to that age, you know, um, you know, I'm, you know, I mentioned I'm in my fifties. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my friends are, are losing their parents and, um, and it's, it's a hard thing. You, you, you face mortality for the first time in your life, which never even crossed my mind before. So, uh, but what I hope this does for dads is I hope, I hope it's about, um, I hope it teaches you to find perspective. Um, I hope it, it gives you some meaningful reasons and tips in terms of how to connect with your children. I've got a great story in here about my daughter. We were at this conference, YPO conference, and they had us write love letters. You know, she wrote me one, I wrote her one, and we read them to each other. And I thought, man, what a, what a simple exercise. You know, when I, when I do talks, when I'm talking to groups, I often talk to them and I just say like, hey, like, let's start, you know, just send a note to your mom about why you appreciate her and why you love her. And everyone kind of looks at me like, what is this guy talking about? I thought we were talking sports. And I say, no, no, no. Just like take 60 seconds. And, and oftentimes, and I say, hey, if it's a Zoom, I say, hey, drop in the chat what your mom says back. And the worst thing your mom can ever say is something like, is everything okay? You know, and I say, oh, man, like we got to reach out to our moms more. And it's not just our moms, of course. Of course, it's our moms and our dads. Of course, it's our kids or our partners or our, you know, friends at work or a boss that helped us or a coach that coached us years ago. It's like, we've got to do a better job of being grateful for all these people whose shoulders we stand on and who might need us. Like your mom might need you today. Your mom might need to hear, I really love you. Hey mom, what you did for me as a kid when I was struggling, can't thank you enough. Like it changed my life. I am who I am because of you, mom. That is so simple to write and we all feel it, but we don't say it. And so I, I think, I hope those types of messages come in, come through for, for moms and dads. Well, 30 years, a leader in the sports business and an example of leadership and compassion and empathy and just an all-around good person in the sports business. Scott O'Neill, thanks for joining us on SBJ iFactor. Continued success, my friend. Thank you. Right back at you. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining SBJ iFactor today. Remember to subscribe to SBJ iFactor wherever you listen to your podcasts and listen to our future episodes that will hit every two weeks.